We are so glad you decided to join us today for our Compelled podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. We would love for you to message us on social media and connect through our website at compelled316.com. Now let's get started. Bob Morrison is here to get us thinking about what it means to live a compelled life. Hey, good morning, everybody. I hope you're having a good week. Man, what a what a crazy time, you know. I'm up in Indiana again. It's been cold and snowy. Uh, I guess Buffalo got like six feet of snow. That's crazy itself. So uh, I was thinking about this time when I about froze to death. Yep, it really happened. Um, I had just turned, I don't know, I was like 24 years old, got engaged. My roommate, buddy of mine that we, uh, we went hunting a lot, did a lot of crazy outdoor stuff, decided we're going to drive to California from Indiana. So we're driving long time, all day, most of the night. And it's my turn behind the wheel. It's super late, probably, you know, midnight. And I'm starting to get that, what you call like white line fever. I'm not noticing the road too much. And I realized we're on some crazy back road and I can't tell if it's snow or sand. So basically I just stop and uh, wake my buddy up and I said, Hey dude, I can't tell what's on the road. I don't know if I'm driving in sand or snow or what this is. I don't know where we're at. So he gets out, looks around. He said, it's sand. You know, we're somewhere out in the Utah desert. And he's like, there's not a single light in any direction. Like not one house, not one business, not one car. And he says, this would be a terrible place for a car to break down. I kid you not, dude, I'm not making this up. Right then the car just goes burnt and shut off. So I thought, oh, you know, maybe it's just hot from being run all the way from Indiana to Utah nonstop. So crank on a little bit, crank some more, crank some more. It won't start. We lift the hood. We look at things. Nothing looks out of place. Don't see any leaks, no wires off. And uh, we realize we're in trouble. We're not packed for survival. You know, we've got clothes with us. That's about it. And there is nothing around us in any direction. So we put the car in neutral. We push it over to the side of the road so somebody doesn't come along and just blast into us. And we decide we're going to walk. We're going to walk out of here. So we start walking at night in the desert. And all of a sudden, the coyotes just come to life. They are yipping and howling and running circles in the dark around us. We can hear them, can't see them. And we realize, yeah, no, we're not walking anywhere. Our best bet's to stay with the car. So we go back, we get in the car. And for those of you that think the desert is hot and blazing and that you're just going to like be completely parched and die yeah that's true during the day but at nighttime no not true at all gets very very cold in the desert especially out there around the utah mountains so it starts getting really cold and we realize we can't run the car for heat we have no material to build a fire 
So we start getting out all of the extra clothes that we have packed, like put socks on our hands, wrap clothes around our head, literally just like burrowing down, lay our seats back so that we can try to get a little bit of sleep and hope we don't freeze to death. And at one point I wake up and there's ice on the inside glass of the car, just from our, basically from just from us being, um, the condensation from us being inside the car, you know, cause when you're making the condensation, it, um, builds up on the windows. Well, it's so cold, it turned to ice. So we know it's really cold. We're having trouble feeling our fingers and our toes. And we're thinking, what do we do? You know, how do we survive this? So we um, are just hanging on, you know, drifting off, trying to doze a little bit. And all of a sudden we hear this knock on the glass. And, you know, your first thought is, oh, it's probably a state cop. He's come to rescue us. No, no. It's uh, this old grizzly looking dude big old beard looks like he belongs on duck dynasty and uh he's a gold miner yeah they really exist him and his buddy in this old greasy pickup truck has like a dredging machine in the bed of the truck and uh it's just him and his buddy and their dog and he said you guys all right and i said nope car broke down we've been here all night we're about froze to death he says well we're gonna drive you to the nearest town. Awesome. But there's no room inside the cab, so we have to get in the back of the truck, and there's no real way to lay down out of the wind because of the big dredging machine back there. So imagine, you know, they're going 55 miles an hour, and you're not wearing winter clothes, and you're trying to find a way to get yourself down out of the wind any way possible, and you're just freezing to death. You're just absolutely getting hypothermic and death is imminent and there comes a point where I just look at my buddy and I shake my head no to let him know I'm not going to make it that there's just there's just no way I know I'm getting ready to fall asleep and that uh, the way that my muscles and my bones are shaking uh, yeah I'm froze to death and that's where they're going to find my body is in the back of this gold miner's truck so about then the truck pulls over and the guy says, you all right? And I said, no, uh, can barely move. We're froze to death. And he said, that's what I figured. He said, I went as far as I could drive. I figured if I went any farther, you would freeze to death. So I'm stopping to let you get warm in the sun and then we'll go the rest of the way. Ended up being 60 miles to the nearest town. We get to the town finally the day warms up you know like it always does uh out there in the desert it, it gets really warm and cozy but uh in that moment you just think you're not going to survive you think there's no way that you're going to make it and a lot of things go through your head you know you start wondering what will i be remembered for what what is it that i did that people will go yep i remember that guy he did that or I remember that guy, he said this, and it meant so much to me. But the reality of it is, you have all these different people uh, who have those, what you call near-death experiences that really don't know how they're going to survive. They don't know how they're going to, uh, they're out in the wilderness, and it looks like it's the end of the line for them. And every one of us who's been in that position, 
your brain just goes into overdrive. You begin to try to imagine all kinds of things like you, know, you start seeing pictures of your family uh, and friends and things that you've done. And it really is weird. It's a, it's a very sobering moment. You know, ultimately we got the car fixed and they towed it back into town and replaced the broken timing belt and we were able to get on with our trip. But it was so traumatic. I never forget that event. And I, I look back on it and I think, how did it change me or did it change me? You know, we all have those moments. I, uh, I can think of uh, a moment when I was a newlywed and my wife, uh, they said, we think she has a brain tumor. And uh, I was destroyed by it. You know, you're young, you're in love and your whole life is ahead of you. And they're telling me, yeah, we, we're, we're thinking there's a pretty significant chance it's a brain tumor. So they do all of the necessary scans, they do all that stuff, and I'm praying, I'm learning to pray. And then they come back and they tell me, hey, uh, we're wrong. It turns out that it's something else, uh, totally fixable. She doesn't have cancer, she doesn't have a brain tumor, she's not gonna die. And I tell her and everyone who will listen, I am going to live my life differently to thank God for this miracle, for this gift. I am not going to just take any day for granted. And that lasted for about a month. And then slowly the world around me waters me down. You know, you kind of go, I'm going to church every Sunday. I'm going to chase Jesus to, eh, there's a pretty good football game on, or I need to go fishing this morning, or I'm going to go hunting. And I begin to tell myself all the reasons why don't need to go to church. And then I tell myself, well, I don't really need to live any kind of different life. You know, God knows who I am and and I can just have church right here in the boat or right here in the woods or right here on my couch. And I begin to do this process of rationalizing my trip away from God. I don't know if you do that. I'm, I mean, I think a lot of us do, right? Uh, maybe you're at a point in your life where you're just like, rock solid, super strong. You, you're not, a, <clears throat> you're not wandering. You're not uh, doubting anything, but I think that we all have that time where we just get watered down. I did a message one time in a church where we took a glass of Kool-Aid, red Kool-Aid, and it was about half full, but it was bright red. <clears throat> then I come along and I pour clear water into it, right? And I say, every time someone tells you, oh, you don't need to go to church. Ah, you don't need to read your Bible. Ah, you don't really need to listen to uh, the word of God on the radio or on your podcast. And I kept adding water and it, it got paler and paler until it was almost as clear as water. It's called the dilution effect. And that's what we live. We live a life of people with glasses of water all around us. You know, not too long ago, I did the message called The Five about who you are is based on the five that are pouring into you on a daily basis. And it's so true. You know, if you're one of those people and says, you know what, I'm going to quit smoking. The first thing you better do is hang out with non-smokers. 
If you say, I'm going to quit drinking, you better be hanging out with non-drinkers. If you say, I'm going to not get high anymore, then you better be hanging out with people that don't get high. The more you're around the people who are doing things that you're trying to not do, the less likely you're going to succeed. And you'll come up with tons of reasons and rationalizations about, oh, you know, that's I'm stronger than that, or I don't need to hear my blah, 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 reasons for why I'm doing this or that. And, and you self-rationalize yourself right back into the addiction. We do that in life. Uh, I, I hear people all the time say, I'm taking a vacation and I'm going to borrow money to go on vacation. And I always tell them the same thing. If you have to borrow money to go on vacation, you don't have money for a vacation. And they always say, yeah, but I deserve it. I deserve to go on this trip. I deserve to go to this place. And that's just not true. The reality is you need to be pushing yourself to figure out how do I manage my money better? Because if I can manage my money better, then I'm going to end up being debt free. And if I'm debt free, then I can do more things that I want to do to serve God, more mission trips, helping people who are stranded, people who are maybe broken down, need help with their car, whatever it is. All those things come into play based on my financial security. So then I can go, you know what? I want to go on vacation. I have the money saved up for it. I'm going way cooler, way cooler than getting home from vacation to say, wow, I owe everybody. I need to raise some money. I need to get blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah. But I think we do that. I think we find ourselves in that circle of forgetting who God is. And the longer we allow ourselves to forget who he is, the farther away we get. I'm not saying you got to be in the back of a pickup truck freezing to death to figure it out or any other near-death experience. But in our day-to-day life, we got to figure out what we're pouring in because we got to pour something into us that continues to confirm to us, yeah, Jesus is the only answer. It's the only way that we're going to get through this day. We got to find joy in everything. We got to quit surrounding ourselves with people who say, this is how terrible the day is. This is what's bad about it. This is the negatives of it. This is why it's never going to work. This is what's wrong with it. Surround yourself with people who say, We're going to make it. This is awesome. Small victories. We did accomplish something. Let's just accomplish more tomorrow. Let's just keep going. Let's find the joy in the day. If we can do all those things, then we're moving closer to him instead of farther away. And the closer we get, the more secure we get in whatever comes our way, whatever life throws at you. That's all I really want. I want us to know To be compelled by God means that you're so full of him on a daily basis that all the stones being thrown at you, they just bounce off or they miss altogether. Hey, I'm praying that you find that. Find a way for you to surround yourself with those kinds of people. Find a way for you to move closer to God. And I'll see you somewhere out there. We are truly thankful you chose to spend some time with us here at Compelled. If you enjoyed today's message, we encourage you to like it, share it on social media, and check out our website, compelled316.com. God bless you, and we hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you somewhere out there.